right. Good morning, Brave family. Uh, great to have you here with us. If you have your sermon notes, you can grab those out. Uh, today, we're continuing our series called Home for Christmas, and I uh, want to jump into t- today's talk. Uh, today, we're diving in and talking about joy. Uh, we're in Advent season, so that's why we've been lighting these Advent candles, and so today, we're talking on joy, and I titled uh, the sermon today, I Could Use Some Joy in My Life. Anybody could use some joy in their life at all? I love when we, woo, woo, you know, uh, and, um, but I could use some joy in my life. Anybody need some joy in their life? And um, no, 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 no more joy. I'm just overflowing with it. I just can't take anymore. Uh, I could use some joy in my life. And so if you need joy in your life today, I believe God wants to impart to you Joy. And if you're watching online, when we have a lot of people in our church, a lot of flu season stuff going around, sick, so let's pray for our brothers and sisters who are sick. If you know somebody, chances are you do. Um, and so we're praying for those who are certainly sick in our church. Amen. And let's keep them in prayer. All right, so what is joy? We talk about joy. You see joy all over Christmas season. You'll see it, um, you know, in people's houses. You'll see it on walls. You'll see it uh, decor and stuff like that. Joy, joy, joy. So I want to unpack uh, this idea of joys and, and what is specifically joy. People, first of all, often separate happiness from joy. If you uh, go to church or if you've been around, they try to differentiate, differentiate the two. Uh, but the truth is, Scripture does not make the distinction between joy and happiness. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. In fact, 100 years ago, Christians understood the meaning of joy. And today, if you ask a bunch of people about what is joy, you're going to get a lot of different answers about what joy is and how it's different than happiness. It's everlasting or it's, uh, it's not a feeling, you know, it's these different things. And so I want to unpack and help us bring to light understanding what joy is and how it certainly integrates with happiness. Uh, by the way, if you think about joy and happiness, if you look at it scripturally, you'll see that it's, uh, it's really a lot of the same meaning. It's like saying that um, rain isn't wet, you know, or ice isn't cold. Um, you ever heard the statements, uh, I wrote these down, it's a bright sunny day outside, or there's not a, it's a blue sky, it's not a cloud in the sky, you know, it's a bright sunny day. It's like saying the same thing, but just a different way of saying it. So happiness and joy are certainly integrated and linked. In fact, the word joy appears over 100 times in the Old Testament. 15 different Hebrew words exist for the word joy. And um, so we're going to unpack one of them, at least look at one of them, and we'll put up on the screen this first word, shemah, uh, which simply means, or simha, notice that it ends with ha, it's kind of funny, anyways, okay, uh, joy, gladness, and mirth. Now, how many of you guys know what mirth is? How many have no idea what mirth is, and you don't use mirth in your common language? Probably most of you. So I looked it up for you because I already knew what it was. And um, it means amusement expressed in laughter. So when you see the word joy throughout scripture, you can think of some amusement that gets you to laugh. You ever tried laughing without smiling? It doesn't work. Okay, so my point is, you see gladness, you see mirth, you see laughter, you see happiness, okay? All right, so let's look at one verse, Proverbs 23, 24. Uh, This is one example of where this word is used. The father of a righteous child, and all my young people in the room, listen to this. This is great wisdom. The father of a righteous child has great joy. Yeah. In other words, when your kids bring home A's, 
Dads have God of joy. They love it, okay? Moms have a lot of joy, all right? A man who father as a wise son rejoices in him. In other words, dads don't like dumb kids. Okay, so, well, I'm just reading the text. Church, say amen. That's what it says, okay? If you're not wise, you're a fool, okay? Right? Do you disagree? Okay, good, amen. All right, we're with this today. All right, so a wise son rejoices in him. It says, may your father and mother rejoice. May she who gave you birth be joyful. I mean, these are, all throughout scripture, you'll see different contexts. People would have joy over harvest. They'd have joy over victory, okay? They celebrate. There's happiness because there's victory. There's happiness because there's joy. There's happiness because uh, kids are doing well. I mean, there's joy here, all right? So I want you to see this. In Jewish culture, actually, a lot of significant events like childbirth and weddings would use this Hebrew word to, uh, to describe the event of childbirth or a wedding. It's happy. It's joyful times. It's, it's merry, if you would. So merry Christmas, right? It's, it's merry. It's uplifting. It's joyful. It's happiness. So this Hebrew word, Shema, shares the same letters. We're going to put a chart up for you, and I just want you to see this. Uh, these are two Hebrew words. One is for thought and one's for happiness. And if you look closely at these, you'll see that they share the same later, letters, just in different form, which brings about two words. But what's really important is these two words overlap, happiness and thought. The word happy, by the way, is derived from a Middle English word that means hap or happenstance. I don't know if you know that, but that's where the word happiness comes from. It's happenstance or haphazard. In other words, the happiness comes by chance or by luck. And so it's this idea that there's a particular thing that comes your way that kind of leads you to or causes you to be happy. But in Judaism, this is why this is important because we're talking about Scripture in the Old Testament, um, Judaism teaches it isn't about luck or happenstance, that it ensures, watch this, our attainment of happiness. How many of you want to be happy? Raise your hand. I'll teach you on this. You want to be happy? I mean, you don't want to be happy. No more happiness. Just sadness all the time. Okay, so, all right. So you want to be happy. Everybody's pursuing to be happy, like Will Smith. Everybody wants to be happy. And um, you're pursuing happiness. And so the text is teaching us to attain happiness in your life is not about circumstance. That it overlaps with thought. That it's really about the way that you think. In other words, it's a process of the circumstance. And so it's the way we think about and process the circumstance that we're in that leads us to happiness. That's important to understand that, that if there's something around the thinking that leads us into happiness, and that's why the same Hebrew words are used for these two words, happiness and thought, because they overlap. There are eight Greek words for joy in the New Testament, and the most prevalent word, I'll show it to you in Matthew 2, in the story of Jesus' birth, it says this in Matthew 2, when they saw the star, they were filled with what? Joy. It's the word kara, joy, inner gladness, calm delight. They were excited. They were pumped about it. They were happy about it. So here's my point. Both Hebrew and Greek words all through scripture show that joy and gladness and happiness are intertwined and they're intermingled. Generally mean, ultimately, joy means to be happy. It means to be happy. Now, here's the difference. There is a temporary happiness and there are eternal happiness. There's a difference, temporary and eternal. But we can call both happiness. We don't need to 
kind of divide over this whole idea of no joy is of the Lord and happiness is of Satan. You know, it's like if you're happy, then you're not experiencing God's joy. And I hear this debate a lot about joy and happiness. We don't have to get into that debate. We just need to decide ultimately where joy comes from. Here's the point. Joy and happiness, very intertwined. The source of it comes from one place, though, and that's what I want to show you. That the source of your happiness, the source of your joy, comes from one place. All right? So when I speak of joy today, I'm also talking about being happy. Anybody want to be happy? Can you use some more happiness in your life? Okay, I want you to do something right now because I see the look on your faces. Because it's a little gray outside. I know it's a little cold and windy. Just turn your neighbor and say, you need to be more happy. Come on. This is your opportunity if you are married. This is a great opportunity. I, I wish you were a little more happy. Okay? Yeah. All right. So we need some happiness in our life. All right. I like how Warren Wiersbe designed, uh, I put this in your sermon notes, it defined it. Joy is that inward peace, or you could say happy, is that inward peace and sufficiency that is not affected by outward circumstances. Remember, because it has to do with your thought, those two Hebrew words that overlap, thought and happiness. So it is not determined by the circumstance, it's determined by how I see the circumstance. Happiness is the same thing. It's not different than joy, it's the same. It depends on how I see it. I want to show this to you biblically and how we know this is true. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. We'll put it up on the screen. It says this, the writer of Hebrews says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially this sin that so easily trips us up, trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. It says we do this in verse 2. By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith, now watch, because of the joy awaiting him. It's not something he currently, watch, it's the joy awaiting him, it's something futuristic. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Last one, verse three. Think of all the hostility, the writer says. I want you to think about this. Of all the hostility, based off what I just said to you, Think of all the hostility that he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Who the joy that was set before him, the text says. So Jesus did not regard the cross itself as joy. Well, this is exciting, you know. No, he didn't. The the cross itself, the circumstance that he was in, but he could look past it and experience joy. Now, this is Really good. The same mentality that would enable the Jewish Christians, the people that he's writing to, to endure their faith in life. In other words, you're all going to face trials. Jesus faced trials, but somehow he had joy at the same time. He endured the cross. Jesus was able to endure the cross because he understood, watch, that good was going to come from it. In other words, guess what was on the mind of Jesus when he was going to the cross that allowed him to get through it? You, that's right you and that led him to do it I could see the good so I can go through it it doesn't change the circumstance but it changes my view of the circumstance which leads me to be joyful or happy not with the circumstance necessarily that I'm in but the state of my mind can be joyful or happy it's positive it's awesome knowing all the good that would flow from this experience 
Jesus was able to endure it. I want you to write this into your notes, fill this in. Jesus, or sorry, Jesus, joy isn't the absence of what's sad. A lot of times we think that joy means I'm not sad. Well, Jesus was in a cross, but he's also joyful. So joy isn't the absence of what's sad, rather it's the awareness of what's good. Now, I wrote the word awareness because I want you to think about that, literally think because it's a thought, the awareness of. I'm thinking about what's good, even though what I'm facing is sad. So you can be sad or in a sad situation, let's say, a hard situation, a difficult scenario like the cross, whatever it may be, and still experience joy. This is where Jesus is at. Because his mind is on what is good. Joy is not the absence of sadness because it's not circumstantial. Happiness isn't circumstantial. Joy isn't circumstantial. Jesus kept his joy in spite of his circumstance. All right, hold with me. I don't want to lose you yet. I'm going somewhere. I know what you're asking. How is that possible? I know. How? How? How do I do that? All right. 2 Corinthians 6.10. This is crazy. Watch this. Look at the first words that Paul writes in 2 Corinthians to the church in Corinth. He says, our hearts ache, but we always have joy. What? Our hearts are aching, but we always have joy. And he goes on to say we're poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything? What is he doing here? Often scripture will show you a paradox. It looks like a contradiction, but it's not. Two things can simultaneously be true at the same time. This is the teaching, this is the lesson that you can, like James, the brother Jesus said, consider it pure joy when you face trials. Oh yeah, James, right. Was he joking? So you can face trials, you can face crosses, you can face difficult scenarios and still have joy at the same time and still have experience, if you would, a degree of happiness and joy even while facing difficult situations. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. Incredible. We actually see this in Jesus himself. In the man Jesus, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8 through 9, in speaking about Jesus, the writer of Hebrews says this, but to the son he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with the scepter of justice. You love justice and you hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has, now he's talking about your God being your father. So your father, if you would, your God, has anointed you. Look what it says. Pouring out what? The oil of joy on you more than anyone else. Now, if you read Acts chapter 10, you'll see that the oil of joy is in reference to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit fills us with joy because the fruit of the Spirit is joy. So what the text is telling you and me is that the fullness of joy is in Christ greater than anyone else. In other words, Jesus is the happiest person who ever walked the planet of the earth. Walked the earth, walked the planet. Now, I'm about to really... Do some good teaching, because I'm about to blow your, your minds. Read one more verse to you, John 17. 10, I mean, I'm not going to, but his word is, and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, and then that changes everything. Watch. John 17, 13, Jesus is praying before he goes to the cross, and he prays this. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, 
Now, the reason why I'm telling you these things, this is what he says, is so that they may have the what? Full measure of my joy. So Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit that produces joy. Jesus is so filled with the Spirit because it's his Spirit that he's the happiest person on the planet. And then he says, but I'm going to say these things to you now, and I'm going to go somewhere and leave my helper with you so you can be as happy as I am. You look really happy right now, I'll tell you. I mean, that's, watch. The joy of Jesus isn't circumstantial. It's when the lesson. It's who he is. He is happy because it's who he is. I want you to understand something. This is very important that we cannot separate happiness from God. Okay. You cannot separate happiness from God. When I was a kid, I thought it was impossible to be holy and happy at the same time. I'm going to go to that in just a second. Hold on to that thought. Do you know God is happy? Well, a lot of you didn't. I'll be honest. A lot of you have seen painted photos of Jesus. How many of you have ever seen Jesus like this? I mean, you don't ever see his teeth. Go look for photos of Jesus with his teeth. You hardly find, and it's a little cartoon. It's a, little, it's, it's a very bad representation of Jesus with some little kids and some sheep, you know. But normally you don't see him smiling because you think of God as this God of justice and this, you know, fiery guy who's got white hair. I know, but he's smiling, man. He's happy. He's at peace. God is happy. And since we're created in his image, we were created to be happy as well. I want you to raise your hand if you want happiness. One more time. See, you were created to want happiness. Now, where does that come from? Oh, you were created in the image of God. And because you're created in his image, he's also happy and he wants you to be happy, joyful. So here's, we gotta go back to the garden. When God created the first man and woman, he placed them in a garden and filled it with everything they needed to be happy or joyful. They had everything they needed to be joyful, content, happy, celebratory, excited, pumped, glad. Whatever words you want to fill in, they were emotionally ecstatic. They had everything they wanted, but they fell for a lie. And here was the lie, that happiness was contingent upon having every, everything they wanted. In other words, happiness was in something else other than God. So what did Satan do? Satan said, well, in order to be happy, you gotta have this over here. See, he's keeping something from you, and so you're not really experiencing the fullness of joy and what you really need. And so, of course, they sin, and since this time, they begin to look to other things to bring their joy in their life. Their failure to acknowledge God as their source of happiness led to sin and ultimately removed them from the Garden of Eden. From that day on, humanity has struggled to regain the sense of happiness. That's why we're constantly striving after happiness but can never obtain it in the things that we purchase here, the things that we buy here, the things that we look for here. Oh, if I just had this, man, then I'd really be happy. How many of you ever said that before? None of you. This is incredible, man. This is, <laughs> you know me up here. I'm going to go back on you. How many of you ever felt like, gosh, if I could just get that, then I'd be happy? All right. See, now we're going. Now we're communicating. Uh, recently, I'm from Texas originally, so I love pickup trucks. 
Most of you don't need a pickup truck, but you like it, you know, because it's cool and it's, you know, and it's incredible how like uh, the Chevrolet built like a rock. You've seen those commercials? Now is it Ford, no Ford or Dodge Ram, you know. Where do you think that comes from? Marketing, you know? Ooh, you know, it's, it's incredible what these marketing strategies can do. But it's easy to convince ourselves that, man, if I had fill in the blank, I'd be happy. And it's facts, no, 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 because all you really, you know, savers out there don't spend money. No, 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 if you just have more money in your savings account, then you'll be happy. Now your happiness is in more money. And that doesn't work out so well either. The point is we're on a pursuit of happiness. And we've been on this pursuit since the fall. Because of the fall, we cannot obtain this place of happiness that we strive for so deeply. That's why Psalm 16 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is a fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore in his presence. When I was a kid, like I told you, I thought you cannot be holy and be happy at the same time. There was a song, I used to go visit my friend's church, and I would go to this children's church, because uh, we were little kids, and when I'd go visit, and I would sleep at his house, and his parents made me go to church in the morning, and they would sing this song, and you can sing it along if you know this, and it would go, I got the joy, 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 down in my heart, down in, look at you, all you Christians, I got the joy, do you know this? joy, down in my heart, where? Down in my heart, Look at all you, man. Look at that. And I'm so happy. You're so very, oh, yeah. Listen, can I be honest with you? I would have to sit in children's church through that crap, and it was terrible. (laughs) And I'm not lying. I would hear that, and I'm not kidding. I wrote this in my notes. This is no lie. I would sit there looking completely bored out of my mind, and all I could think of is if that's what holy people do, I don't want your joy because this is lame. I know, I just hurt some of your feelings, but I'm just being honest. So in Brave Kids, we don't sing that song. I just want you to know, I nixed it, okay? I'm so happy. No, I'm not happy. You know, <laughs> we don't like to listen to terrible songs. How many listen to terrible music and go, that was great? No, we don't, we don't want terrible music. Here's, here's my point to you. So many people could sing that song, but have no joy in their heart either. Because there was, this, there was this idea that I had that you can't be holy and happy. And I'm, I'm just I'm coming from stuff that I learned as a young person in church or what I felt or what I saw or what I heard, whether it be by different people, that holiness means you, you, don't, you don't have happiness because you have to give up such and such and such and such. And a lot of times the lie, that, and I'm trying to bring a lie down in your mind. That's the whole point of this. I want to bring the lie down in your mind that you, can, that you can't be holy and happy. Okay. All right, let's be honest here. Okay, so tell me if you've ever thought, man, if I'm going to give my life to Jesus, I'm going to lose something that makes me happy. Okay, raise your hand right now. Think about that, what I'm saying to you. If I, if I follow the Lord, I have to lose something that makes me happy. Raise your hand. If I, if I start giving 10%, I have to lose something that makes me happy. 
If I start to show up and serve, I gotta lose something that makes me happy. If I surrender fully to him, I'm gonna lose something. Keep your hand up. I see your hand. Okay, keep your hand up. If this relates to you. If I, if I go through this situation, if I dedicate my life over, if I turn my life over, I'm gonna lose what makes me happy because my plans are better than his plans because I know more than he knows. Okay. All of that was a lie. And that was a lie from hell. The same place that Satan brought Adam and Eve to. Trying to connect your happiness to something other than God. Your, hop, your happiness is not in anything other than him because it's only in his presence that you experience the fullness of joy. So write this into your sermon notes and understand this and I'm about to wreck your whole theology on Christianity. God wants us both, calls us to both be with to holiness and happiness. In other words, God wants you holy and happy. I could say it this way, holiness leads to happiness. You want to be happy, live holy. You want to be unhappy, live worldly. The closest to happiness you'll ever experience in your life is when you begin to live with holiness. That's where happiness is. You want to be filled with joy in your life? Live more like Christ. He said it's more blessed to give than receive. You know what the word blessed means? Happy. See, you're a lot happier when you start handing out money. You're like, no, 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 I like receiving it. But Jesus said, no, 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 because when you live holy, you start handing it out. I'm telling you, it's more happy. That's why Jesus was happy when he went to the cross. Because it's more blessed to give than receive. So when he laid down his life, he gave. You want to experience happiness in your life? Start giving. Giving. Time, talent, treasure, happy. Holiness and happiness go together. If you're not happy on earth, just wait till you get to heaven, amen? A lot of happy people. I just want you to know, no sad people in heaven. If you're just gonna be a Debbie Downer, don't come, okay? I don't want you there. No, I'm gonna be the first person in heaven who just doesn't smile, you know? You won't make it long because you'll be in his presence filled with happiness and joy. There's gonna be a lot of laughing in heaven, by the way. <laughs> There's a lot of happiness in heaven. God wants you to be happy. I didn't say do what makes you happy. That's from hell. Did you hear it? Well, see, that's Ricky said, God told me to be happy. Do whatever I want now. No, that's worldly. That's flesh. I said holiness leads to happiness. God wants you to live happy, and that's why he calls us to live holy. Amen? All right. Joy, by the way, can be cultivated. That's the good news. In other words, we're not born with joy. I mean, do you ever see a baby come out? <laughs> this is great. Kids come out screaming and wailing, right? All right. So it has to be cultivated because we're, sin, we're caught up in the trap of sin. So how are we going to make him happy? How are we going to get happiness? It can be cultivated. That's the best news. Now, Paul writes the answer how to do this. How do you gain this joy then? 
I want to be more happy, live more holy. How do I do that? All right? He gives us the answer, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul writes, rejoice always. Now everybody say always. That's right. Always rejoice. You ever been around people who always rejoice and you wonder, is there anything wrong in their life? I, I've done that. I meet a lot of you. I, I've, I've met a lot of people that way. And I've said this honestly. It, you, you've been around me. I don't smile a lot. I know, it's okay. And, and, and I just want to tell you this to set me free, okay? I don't have to be like you and smile all the time. I'm okay, all right? I used to have people walk, this was a true story. I used to have people, this is just being a little more counseling for me right now. I, uh, I used to set up and tear down at a church, uh, you know, previous church where I came from. And nothing ill towards anybody, but I was set up, tear down every Sunday morning, five years straight, 52 Sundays a year. That's over 250 something, 60 Sundays, right? It's a lot. Setting up, tear down, building the stage, pulling the, all the stuff that goes on in here. I did it every Sunday morning. Eric Chappell's there in the back. He can attest to it. 6.37 a.m., unlock a door, start the whole thing, build it out. People show up at 10 o'clock. I'm so happy. Hey. And, there, and one time I got a complaint. You know, Ricky doesn't smile. And I'm like, I've been freaking sweating for five hours. (laughs) Really? You're going to complain about I'm not smiling? I've been here since 6.30 setting this freaking thing up. Where you been? Oh, sleeping, you know? Then you had breakfast and you walked in with your Starbucks coffee. You didn't even bring me one and you want me to smile. You know what I'm saying? So no. Let me relax, go home, take a nap, and then I can smile. Amen. You know, anybody a morning person, you wake up and smiling, ready to go enjoy the Lord, man. And then the other half of you, anybody have the other half? Bro, this ain't time. Give me at least two hours. You know, and some Jesus. And by that time, it's noon and it's lunchtime, and then you're finally cracking a smile. All right, so I don't know, I had nothing to do with my notes. <laughs> I just want to get that off my chest. I understand I don't always smile, but that doesn't mean we're not happy, okay? All right. I know a lot of people smile and are depressed. Anyways, let's, so. So you know, happiness can manifest itself through smiling, but look at the cross. But that's not sustaining joy. I mean, there's momentary. Sometimes it manifests itself in laughter. Sometimes it manifests itself in multitudes. So just keep that in mind. All right. But here's the secret, here it is, I'll get it to you fast. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Okay, so how do you cultivate joy in your life? I want more joy, I wanna be filled with joy. How do I do that? All right, Paul says, number one, pray without ceasing. Pray continually. Now why would Paul say that that's so important as it relates to always having joy? Because he said rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks. I think that's the secret to how you do it. Pray continually. Why does that matter? Because prayer is communication with God. So when we live each minute of each day in constant fellowship and conversation with the man who has the fullness of joy in him, we walk in his fullness of joy. We're reminded of who he is. When there's constant fellowship with the man who's the most happiest person on the planet, the happiest spirit, and he promises the spirit inside of us, we remain in communication with him. We carry his joy inside of us because we're in constant communication. We can cast all of our cares on him. 
because he cares for us. We can throw every burden aside and lay on his shoulders and he'll listen to us, never forsake us. And and so all of a sudden we can walk around with joy. Why? Because that ain't my problem anymore. That's your problem. That's what I say to God every time my kid acts up. It ain't my problem. It's your problem. You made him. I'm just here managing him. See how you just laughed? That's the trick right there. I just had a conversation with Jesus, and all of a sudden, I went from anger to, I'm a good, this is your issue, not my issue. Amen? I get real stressed out about how we're going to get land and build the church. Somebody, you know, how are we going to get millions of dollars to do that? I don't know. It ain't my problem. It's his problem. Ha, <laughs> sucker, you know? <laughs> I just turned it right over. Did you see how I did that? I'm just thinking differently. But for years, oh, I think it's going to be so hard. This is all I need. Because I'm thinking wrong. I'm thinking it's on me. It's not on me. It's on him. Isn't that what he said to do? It's my kingdom. I build it. I establish it. I cause it to grow. See? How you think? Pray continually. Be in constant conversation with God. All right? Second part, he says, give thanks in all circumstances. Now, this is important. He says, give thanks in all circumstances. He doesn't say for all circumstances. Okay, so we're going to give thanks in all circumstances, not for all things, of course. There are hard seasons that we go through, very challenging, difficult. But we can recognize God's sovereign's hand in charge of the situation. And it's not just blind fate or chance that led to that situation. Did you know that everything that happens in this world has to go through the hands of God? Look at Job. I mean, everything's got to pass through his hands. He's aware of all things. Sin has consequences, no doubt, but he's aware of all things. He allows it to occur. I'm not God, so I don't try to understand because his ways are higher than my ways, so I don't know why he allows certain things to happen. I mean, Habakkuk said, why are you letting this all, I mean, so many people in scripture are like, why in the world are you letting these wicked people do something already? But God has his ways. In fact, he tells Habakkuk, man, if I told you, you wouldn't understand because we're on completely different wavelengths, obviously. But I want you to see that we can recognize God's sovereign's hand in all situations and circumstances. That's how the heart can ache and still have joy, because I recognize God's sovereign hand in this situation. So even if you're filled with sickness or disease or struggle or strife or hardship, Horrible things have happened to you and to me in our lives. How do I get through that? I can recognize God's sovereign hand that he will take whatever was deemed for evil and turn it for good eventually. That is a understanding of his sovereignty. Romans 8, 28. I don't know when, I don't know how this will ever pan out well, but I can trust God's word that all things were meant for evil to destroy my life. God will bring to fruition. He's faithful to finish what he starts. And all of a sudden, my joy meter goes up because I'm shifting my thinking according to the word of God, which happens when we pray. Write this into your notes. Joy comes as a result of yielding to the spirit of God and allowing him to operate freely in our lives. If you want to scratch out the word happiness or joy and put the word happy, do so. If you like glad instead, do glad. And if you really want to be spiritual, write mirth, okay? So happiness comes as a result of yielding. That's the will of God. That's what happens when we pray. Our wills get aligned, right? We get aligned to his will for us. And allowing him to operate freely in our lives. 
I'll say it this way, when we get with God, we get grateful. We get grateful, we get filled with joy. The practice that I've woken up for the past couple of months, I just like, I need some more joy in my life. And so I started to just say, God, thank you for everything that I have. And so I wake up and the first thing I think about now is just, Lord, thanks for what I have. Thank you for what I have. Thank you for what I have. And everything in my brain wants to go towards something else. But to keep it a little more fresh, I start to be more specific about things I'm thankful for. And I'll tell you what I think about most. And I'll invite the team up. We're going to sing a song. Then we're going to be out of here. Lately, I've been doing this as a practice. And if, if you do it, great. And if you haven't, you may want to try it. Um, but it's real easy to go, thank you, Jesus, for, you know, my house. And thank you, Jesus, for a car. And thank you for some, you know, clothes. And look over and look at Carissa and for her. I appreciate that. And, you know. And, uh, but, you know, it's, it's real easy to get mundane in that. So I will tell you right now, for me, this is what works for me, that brings me the greatest joy. I just think about where I came from. I think about the pit God brought me out of. I start to reflect on my testimony. And it's not like beating myself up again. No, no. I'm filling myself with joy because I'm thankful. And I start to think about how God has brought me through so much in my life and where I've been and what's occurred and where I am today and I see the journey he's brought me on and all of a sudden I get out of bed with a little more joy in my heart. Now, I didn't say smile. I just said joy. I walk in a little more peace, a little more stability, a little more happiness, a little more contentment because in my mind and in my heart I'm starting to think about what God has done in my life. I think that's why Paul says, rejoice always, how? Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. Start thanking him for what he's done in your life and through your life, and all of a sudden, joy goes up. Do you know, it's, a, it's really hard to be depressed and sad and broken and be grateful at the same time. I'm sure you've heard that said, right? So there's power in gratitude. Last verse, I'll read to you, John, 1 John 4, 4. Last one. I love this, and I've got to read it in its entirety. But you get it. Hey, just thinking of Joel Osteen right now. I knew I could not preach a sermon on happy without Joel Osteen coming up. Okay. I'm just not him. You know, like, um, and I'm not knocking him, by the way. And let me just say, I, I rarely ever really beat up on anybody who ministers the gospel of Jesus Christ. No man is perfect. Um, or woman, right? But anyways, um, just think about the Bible. Look, look at the writer. It says, 1 John 4, it says, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. whom we have heard and seen. This is their testimony. We saw him, Jesus, with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one, who his life itself was revealed to us, We've seen him. So now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard. So that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And the whole reason why we're writing this to you is so that you may fully share our joy. What's the lesson when we come home to Jesus? 
we find joy. The whole reason this was written and explained and left to you was so that you could experience the fullness of God's joy in your life. You want to experience some more joy? Pay attention to this. Pick this up. Read a little bit of this. Scripture would say, don't get drunk on wine, get filled with the Spirit. You know, it was funny, Ezekiel, the prophet, was writing, and he said that God gave him a scroll. And he said, I put the scroll in my mouth, and it tasted like honey. Mmm, mmm, good. Isn't that a tagline of some food? I feel like, mmm, good, I don't know. Sounds like it, though. What is it? Campbell's soup. Mm-mm, good. I knew I heard it somewhere. God's word is good. What does the psalm say? Taste and see. The Lord is good, man. He's so good. Taste it. It's good. Would you stand to your feet? You want some happiness in your life? Start to live holy. Declare his truths out. I'm gonna pray for you. This is not a somber ending. This is a celebratory ending. We're celebrating today. Regardless of the circumstance you are facing, I wanna encourage you in this very moment to shift your thinking. Some of you, it's God's sovereignty. I know, 2023, I hear you. It was, oh, rough. Hard situations you're battling. Sickness you're facing. Death in families job losses, all kinds of stuff, marriages ending, struggles and strife at home, worries, confusion, job choices, decisions, people pushed you out even though you should have, you worked hard to work your way in. I mean, all kinds of stuff, I know. But I'm about to put joy in you. You ready? Watch this. Because all I got to do is declare his presence and joy enters. All I got to do is speak truth and then joy enters. So here's truth. Whatever situation came your way rejoice always watch whatever situation came your way go ahead and think about it yep let let the enemy win for like okay number second and then we're done all right god is sovereign he is sovereign over it all he will take care of what happened he will get you through what's happening He's got a great plan for your life still. He does not give up on you. He never, never will leave you or turn his back on you. He's waiting on the front porch for you to come home, ready to kiss you and make you steak and lobster and hang out and laugh. I'm going somewhere with this. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I've got an awesome room. It's beautiful. You should see it. And we're going to laugh together. We're going to, oh, it's going to be incredible. We're going to laugh so hard we cry. I mean, you've done that before? Who needs some joy in their life today? Okay, then lift your hands right now. Close your eyes for just a minute. Lord, we're giving it all to you right now in Jesus' name. Give it to him. Lord, I'm giving it all to you. I'm giving it all to you. You are the source of my joy. You is where I get my happiness from. Not in things. Renounce that. Change that thinking. Repent from that. You are the source of joy. You. In your presence is the fullness of joy. 
And the best news is, you are omnipresent. You are everywhere I go. I can experience happiness and joy regardless of what's around me, Jesus. And so today as we close out this song, all I can plead with you is stomp on hell's area over your life and shout praises to God. <laughs>